Hello and welcome to the Global City Missions podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York. And today we're going to be discussing the question, what is a Discovery Bible Study? Discovery Bible Study, or DBS for short, is the primary tool that we use at GCMI when we're starting new evangelistic groups. Uh, So we're out in the neighborhoods, we're having evangelistic conversations, and we run into a spiritually receptive person. Uh, And we've talked before in the podcast about this person of peace concept that we try to use, and I'll address that more in the next episode. But basically, when we find a receptive person out in our neighborhood and in the ethnic community that we're reaching, rather than bring them to church with us, we encourage them to gather other people, whether they're neighbors or coworkers, families, roommates, whatever. And they bring those people together, and, and DBS is where we start with those groups. And it's an inductive form of engaging scripture that we use as an evangelistic tool because when these groups form, uh, almost nobody in the gathered group is going to be a believer. And so we need to find a way to bring them into scripture where this is where they're going to learn the bulk of the gospel and really come to discover what it means to follow Jesus and be a Christian. And we try to move from DBS to develop that into a house church. Uh, And so it's important that we're starting this in a way that spiritual seekers and people with no knowledge of the Bible can come in and immediately begin to engage and filter through the kinds of questions that they bring into the group, but also that the primary engagement is with scripture. It's with the text and not with ourselves as a missionary and teacher. So today I want to walk through what the structure of a DBS looks like and give a little bit of commentary about some of the philosophical thinking behind why it's structured this way and why DBS is a useful tool for cross-cultural urban missions. So let me set a little bit of context uh, using the example of a DBS that just started last night over by NYU. The person of peace that gathered this particular group is a student at NYU. He grew up in a Christian family in the church, but has now met a lot of friends from eclectic religious backgrounds. So he gathers his group together. He finds a place for them to meet and a time and arranges it and then invites me to come in. And like all of our DBSs, we're pretty much in a public place, sometimes in an apartment, and the group sits around in a circle. And it's going to be a very discursive uh, conversational atmosphere. So the first section of a Discovery Bible study, we ask three questions. We say, let's go around the group and talk about something that we're thankful for from the last week or two. So we go around the group, everybody shares something they're thankful for. And we say, okay, what's a need or a struggle that's going on in everybody's life right now or coming up? So again, go around the circle, we talk about a need or a struggle that's something that's going on. And after we talk about those things, we say, okay, how can we as a group help one another meet those needs that we just expressed? And the first few questions of DBS, from a strategic perspective, These are setting some DNA for how we're going to function as we grow into a house church, that we're going to talk about things we're thankful for. And as we grow in faith, the idea is that this is going to become sort of the basis for praise, that this thanks is going to be directed towards God as people grow in faith toward God. But for now, let's talk about things that are going well, things we're thankful for. And that's a rare occurrence among communities, especially in New York. It's rare that you sit down and really express gratitude and think about what's going well. And this expression of needs and how we help each other is going to become the DNA for how house churches do one another ministry. 
And sometimes those needs are going to be pretty abstract. It's going to be things like I need patience or I need discipline for my studies. Um, I need comfort because this thing going on in my family that I'm mourning or struggling with. And sometimes they're very practical. I need somebody to babysit my kid because I have a job interview. I'm not going to make rent this month. And we want to leave it open for whatever needs want to be expressed. But we want to try to help one another in the most practical ways possible. Because, again, this is the DNA that we're training people how to be a church community together. So that's from a strategic perspective. From a social perspective, one of the things I like about starting this way is it tends to diffuse the expectations in the room for people who have never studied the Bible before. So that was exactly what happened last night in this particular group. Uh, one of the guys coming in was a pretty avowed atheist. He was one of a couple in the group, actually. But it was clear as soon as we sat down that he was prepared for this to be a bait and switch. Uh, there was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of skepticism coming out. And you could watch as we entered the room. It, that was shared by a couple other people in the room. They'd been invited to this thing, but they don't really know what it is. And so we go around, we talk about thankfulness, we talk about needs, and it immediately creates this context of intimacy where, okay, I know that I'm here to study scripture. I know I'm here to have a spiritual conversation, but I don't have to have any prior commitment of faith to talk about what I'm thankful for and what I need or to accept help. And so this being the beginning of the conversation typically is a helpful way to create the kind of intimacy and initial trust that we need to have a deeper conversation about scripture and about faith. So after the first section, uh, we often have a review section, but I'm actually going to hit that at the end since this is a review of what a first DBS looks like. So moving from the thankfulness and needs questions, the next thing we're going to do is read scripture. And I typically start with the Sermon on the Mount for some reasons I can talk about another time, but you can start pretty much anywhere, but you open up and read a section of scripture and you want to read a large enough passage that people have some context for any particular phrase or sentence, a large enough section that you can have a conversation about. So we read, and when we finish reading, we say, okay, let's just go through and kind of review and talk about this, retell it in our own words. What stood out? What was confusing? What seemed most important? Just debrief this together before we have a bigger conversation. So people contribute to that as they want to. And once that sort of runs its course, we say, great. What do we feel like this passage says about who God is? And one of the objections that occurs often is you have people in the room who aren't necessarily believers in God, or maybe they're open to the idea, but they also have some other religious background or identity. And so if they object to the question, Normally what I'll say is, no, no, it's fine. You don't have to agree with the passage, but what did the passage say about who God was? And so we'll discuss that. What does this say about who God is? And the next question will say, well, what does this teach us about life or how to live? And so we'll discuss that. And again, last night uh, in this group, this one gentleman who came as a pretty open atheist, we read the Beatitudes and he immediately objects. He says, this is really beautiful, but it makes me sad because I know it's not true. And I said, that's fine. Um, but it it's trying to make a statement about how to live. So even you, if you disagree with it and you don't think it's true, I'm curious what you think this is trying to say about how we're supposed to live. And when it was phrased that way, it was very easy. And he actually gave quite an eloquent answer about the way that this is encouraging us to live and the way this would be a better way to live. This would be a better world to live in 
if this were true. And so after we say, okay, what does it say about who God is? What does it say about how to live? Uh, we want to focus down on where this becomes real life. So I say, okay, what's something we can do this week to put this into practice? And we'll come up with as a group, a spiritual discipline or an exercise or particular instances and relationships in our life where we see this applying and we actually intend to put this into practice. So again, to go back to my atheist friend last night, he objected to the idea that this teaches us about God or about life. But when it came time to put it into practice, he said, you know, this is talking about being merciful and this is talking about trying to make peace. Uh, I think I've got a phone call that I need to make this week. And I said, great. Is it okay if I ask you about that next week? He said, yeah, please do. Um, I think I'm going to try to put this into practice with a friend. I need to call them this week. And then after we talk about how to practice it, the last question we ask is, okay, who will we share this with this week? And last night, everybody in the group, uh, with the exception of maybe one or two people, thought of somebody that, oh, I should either ask their opinion about this because they'll have an interesting insight, or I should talk to uh, this particular person about this passage because I think they would find it really helpful, really encouraging. It's the last two questions in DBS that I think are especially important for disciple making because the gospel is not really a set of propositions that we agree with. It's a life to be lived. And Jesus's first call to his disciples is come and follow me. And really until we're following Jesus, until we're trying to practice the things that he tells us and obey what we see him doing and preaching, we don't know whether or not we think this is true. And so the last two questions for me are usually much more of a metric about people's spiritual receptivity than the first ones. The first ones are to give us enough content and conversation so that we can see practical applications and see how this might challenge our lives. But I've had a lot of people that tend to object to what they think of as a Bible study, that when it comes time to put into practice, when it comes time to share it with others, they're pretty open to trying that. And often they find in the application of Scripture, in obedience to Scripture, that they believe it's truer than they might have otherwise before. So that's the basic outline of a DBS. Now, I want to come back around and talk about the review. So next week, when I go back to NYU and we have our second DBS, we'll do the same format. We'll ask thankfulness in these questions. But then before we get to scripture, I'll just ask, hey, last week we talked about some ways we were going to put this into practice. How did it go? How did it go trying to practice this? And we'll discuss that. And I'll say, okay, well, how did it go trying to share with people? We identified some people we're going to share. How did that go? Uh, and then I'll say, we talked about some of the needs we had last time. How did it go trying to help one another meet those needs? So the review section is where accountability comes in week to week for the group. And I think it's important that we do phrase it the way I just did. It's not, did you do it? This is not a guilt-inducing accountability. It comes from a place of curiosity. How did that go? You You intended to do that. How was it? And my experience with most people is that for the first few weeks, almost nobody will remember, sometimes intentionally they'll forget, to share with others or to put it into practice. And as a facilitator, I just smile and say, yeah, no problem. Uh, do you want me to ask about that again next week? And most of the time they'll say yes. And so next week I'll say, hey, uh, how did it go with the practice you were trying to do? And so this creates a pretty gracious accountability that, again, it becomes the DNA of how to be church together. When we read scripture, the direction we want to take the conversation is obedience and application. And if we say that we intend to do something, 
as a group, let's graciously just ask, how did it go? Did you learn anything? What happened there? So that's the basic format of the Discovery Bible Study. Uh, I want to address a few reasons why I think this is strategically advantageous for disciple making and particularly for urban missions like we do with GCMI. The first reason is because the DBS format doesn't require anyone in the room to be a teacher or authority. And we talk about that pretty openly, that when we gather around scripture in this way, I'm not the teacher as the missionary. Nobody else is the authority either. Scripture is the teacher and authority. So if we read something and somebody disagrees with something in the text, it's like, great, you're welcome to disagree with it, but tell me what you think it's trying to say and teach. And if someone in the group says something that someone else disagrees with, it's like, okay, you both disagree with one another, but do you agree on what the text is trying to say and teach? One of the reasons it's good to make scripture the teacher and authority is because a lot of the people that we disciple won't always be around with us that they'll move to another part of the city or to another city, or they may reproduce a discovery Bible study in an atmosphere that we're not invited into. And we don't really want to rely on that individual as the teacher. Uh, not even if they're a committed Christian and baptized, because oftentimes if they are the teacher, they feel like they have to rely on their own knowledge, their own resources to educate and lead everyone else in the room. But what we tell them is no, you lead them to scripture and facilitate that interaction. But let scripture be the one that teaches, the one that challenges, the one that pushes people into this kind of life. You just need to be able to ask the right kind of questions. And for us, this is particularly advantageous with our friends in the diaspora community, because oftentimes we get to the end of DBS and they say, well, I'll, who can we share this with? I, I want to share this with my family back home, or I want to share this with other people in my neighborhood, but they don't speak English. This format is simple and reproducible enough that after doing it one time, they can go back to their apartment or they can Skype back to their home country and they can reproduce the entire DBS and they can bring other people to engage scripture and ask these kinds of questions of it. And they don't have to rely on their own knowledge. They can know a single Bible story and already start and reproduce the DBS. Now you compare that to some of the other church work I've done where you try to get volunteers to lead things. And the immediate response is, oh, I don't know enough or I'm not prepared enough. Can I have some kind of curriculum? Because people feel like they need to be trained to be experts. But if no expertise is required, if no knowledge beyond the passage I'm about to share with you is required, all I need to know is the kinds of questions I want to ask of Scripture. And I can take you to this passage and let's have that discussion. Then it makes this form of Bible study something that's incredibly reproducible and becomes an immediate tool that spiritual seekers and new disciples can use and turn around and do as soon as they walk out the door. So one of the things I need to model when I'm leading a DBS is that I'm not trying to be the teacher or authority. I'm trying to ask good inductive questions that allow people to struggle with and to discover for themselves what's true in scripture and that it has application for their life. It is going to transform their way of being in relationship in the world. So oftentimes I refuse to answer questions within a discovery Bible study. If someone asks me a particular question, I'll say, that's a great question. It reminds me of this other scripture. So we'll flip over there and read it together. Or I'll say something like, that's a great question. Did anybody in the group hear something or read something in the passage? They feel like answers that. And so let the group be self-correcting around scripture 
let the group together search for and find the answer in the Bible rather than the answer seeming to come from me and my own knowledge and authority. And sometimes I'll say, you know, that's a great question. Why don't you ask that every week while we study this and see if the answer isn't later in another story or another passage? Because, again, I trust that the Holy Spirit is going to work through Scripture to form and answer and encourage and challenge this group in the way that it needs to in order for them to grow into faith uh, and into a fuller stature of Christ. One of the questions that I often get when I talk about Discovery Bible studies is that it makes people nervous that there's not a teacher in the room. Uh, and a lot of people, their first question is, well, how do you prevent false teaching or how do you prevent false doctrine? And I just alluded to that, but the goal in forming these groups is to become self-correcting around Scripture. And we're going to trust that if people are reading it honestly, and if people have the ability to challenge one another to go back to the text to demonstrate where they got an answer and interpretation, then they can correct around the authority of Scripture rather than there needing to be another authority in the room to correct everyone. So last night, uh, this particular uh, atheist in the group was pretty critical of some of the things that Jesus said. And one of the other people in the group who's a very new Christian, just very recently converted, was defensive about some of the things he was saying. And so as they started to, to disagree with one another and seemed like conflict was going to break out, I just asked, you know, it sounds like you two disagree with one another, but what is the text actually trying to teach? What is this passage actually trying to teach? And they did agree on that. They very much agreed on what scripture was trying to say for itself. They just didn't both agree with the text. And that's fine because when that happens, it points out that neither one of you is in charge. Neither one of you needs to convert the other one. But let's look at scripture and see what it's trying to say. And then let's ask if we can practice it and ask if we're willing to share it with others. And when we got to those questions, they found they had a lot of agreement. They agreed on what the passage said, and they both were willing to practice it and share it with others. So next week when I go back, uh, I'm going to review with them how it went trying to share, but I'm probably going to encourage somebody else in the group to be facilitating the Bible study. And the way I'm going to do that is just to say, hey, guys, I'm just going to review the same questions we did last week because that's the best way I know how to have a conversation about Scripture. So if I just gave somebody a copy of the questions, would somebody else facilitate? And the reason I'm going to do that is because I'm trying to model just how simple and reproducible this is. So these students are going to leave for the Christmas holidays. Some of them are going to go home to countries outside the United States. And when they leave, they will have already seen that after just participating in it one time or two times, this is something that they're able to reproduce. It is that simple. And a couple of them, even last night, were talking about the possibility of studying these same scriptures that we're talking about with people they know back home. And the way that they're going to do that is probably DBS because that's what's been modeled for them as, again, a simple and a reproducible way to bring people who are spiritually seeking into conversation around scripture and to not need to be experts or authorities themselves in order to be facilitating a spiritual conversation with others in which we're going to talk about how the gospel applies to our lives. And we're going to try to engage in some healthy accountability to help one another put into practice and share with others what we see in the Bible 
so that we can start to determine whether or not we believe this is true. So that's a DBS. I'm going to be talking next in the next episode a bit about uh, how a person of peace can be identified and how we find one. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about ways we use DBS in our ministry. But I want to challenge you this week to think about trying to incorporate in your ministry some more simple and reproducible ways to invite spiritual seekers and pre-disciples into engaging the text. And I want to especially challenge you to be studying the Bible with others in ways that model the kind of authority for the people we're discipling that they're going to be able to reproduce, that we don't want them to be dependent entirely upon our knowledge. We want to train them and disciple them in ways that they can engage scripture for themselves that are life-giving and that call them into greater obedience to following Jesus. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of the Global City Missions podcast. You can learn more about GCMI on our website at globalcitymission.org, or you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter.